Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey here with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. Today's topic is kind of a hot-button issue in the world today, but it's really nothing new. It's a topic that has been debated throughout history. You know, today we're going to talk about ethics and the morally right thing to do. You know, I, I gotta say, Christy, we have had tons of discussions about this. Yes, and we have. I know, especially in our political state that we're in right now, and lengthy debates over Al Franken, his resignation. And I know we talk about this. Is it the right thing to do? And especially this whole Alabama thing is going on, with, you know, with the race with Doug Jones. Well, it's interesting because you and I don't disagree on a lot of things. And yeah. we kind of do, we have, we've had debate and we, we've kind of disagreed over the Al Franken bit a bit. Right. But, you know, I've had debate with several other people other than just you over the Franken resignation. Because <laughs> in my opinion, we can't get into a place where as long as someone's bad behavior is more terrible than ours, that that's okay. Because it's not. Bad behavior is bad behavior. And just because someone else is worse than you doesn't mean that what you're doing is okay. You know, I have far more respect for Franken today than before because he did what he felt was right and he had plenty of support not to. Well, a lot of people thought he was wrong. I mean, he was really going to make a situation worse by resigning, right? Well, that was, some people thought that, yes. Some people thought that. And you didn't think that. I didn't think that, but uh, who, who, who knew that, <laughs> that Roy Moore would lose at that point? But, right, right. Yeah. But I th- I, it is interesting, you know, your take on the differences of these and, Ro- and the Roy Moore Senate race, right? Give us a little bit more information on ethics and morals and values and the difference between them. Well, ethics and morals relate to what's right and wrong in conduct. While they're sometimes used interchangeably, they're different. Ethics refer to rules provided by external sources, codes of conduct in the workplace, for example, Mm -hmm. the principles in a religion, the laws of our land. They're external things that dictate what's right or what's wrong within our society. So these are principles that guide a person or a society. They're created to decide, again, what's good or bad, right or wrong in a given situation. Ethics do influence laws. They are universally accepted rules, usually implemented by a government or an organization. But both ethics and morals, the interesting thing is both of them can change as the times change because social norms change. Right. So, I mean, let me ask you this. So when we talk about ethics... Ethics are actually something that we follow because the masses follow. Right. They're based okay. on social norms, and they change over time. Again, our laws, they change over time. So our ethics are kind of influenced on what's happening at the time. Correct. Okay. And we see drastic changes over history on things that were ethical at one point that aren't now or vice versa. And, and they can be different depending upon what job you're in. Okay. What organi- some organizations think that some things are more ethical than others. You know, your code of ethics could be completely different in one organization, or they, they most certainly are different in different religions. Uh, different states, right, have different laws. That's true. So yeah. you, different things are ethical in, in different states, and they change over time. You know, what was once legal and ethical to own another human being, the external store said that it was good, especially for capitalism, right, during that time period. Mm-hmm. You know, we still see the bigotry exists today, but... Legally, it's not acceptable to own another human. You know, I think actually Dr. Wagner in our show on feminism had a good point. She said that Dr. Martin Luther King said, I, you can't make a law for someone to love me, but you can make a law for someone to lynch me. Exactly. And that's kind of the point, right? Because at one point lynching was okay. Now it's obviously not. Right. Social and- norms change, times change, laws change, ethics change to meet those times. And I guess that's interesting because you never really think that 
ethics are something based upon a social norm. You know, you think that people, they have their own ethics and they think that they're... Well, we're going to get to that. In line with everybody else. You have right? your own morality because your morality right, is going to be your internal. Right, and that's different. Yeah. yeah we're so, gonna... And I got to say, I just, I, I really thought that we've moved past this kind of stuff. And, and yet, I never knew we had to do a show on this, but apparently it does need to be done. Right. You know, we haven't moved as far as we think. And I think that was another thing we addressed in the feminism show. And I think that's one of the things that our political nature in this year have really shown that we have not gone as far as we thought we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me give you an example. In September, the Republican Senate candidate, Roy Moore, from Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. In a response to a question that was asked to him by a reporter, when did you think America was great? This is his response. Okay, and I quote, this was last September, September 2017. Right. That a person running for the United States Senate actually said this. Now remember, September not 17. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> not 17, 17. Not 17, 20, but 2017. Um, quote, he said, I think it was great at a time when families were united. Even though we had slavery, they cared for one another. Our families were strong and our country had a direction. Oh, God. Just, Seriously? I mean, Seriously? I, just, I don't even know how you can say that. To, to a reporter, I mean, it's one thing to say it in your own private home, which is really bad in its own right. But you know, I feel comfortable enough to say this to a reporter. I just, yeah, the yeah, good old days. Setting. I guess I don't know. I, I find that repugnant. Well, and sadly, you know, he got a lot of votes, right? But thanks to the black female voters and the twenty-one thousand write-in votes for University of Alabama and Auburn University football coaches, there's still hope. So these voters, they wrote in for football coaches? Of the 21,000 write-in votes for the Senate race in the state of Alabama, the majority of those votes went for the head coach of Auburn University football and University of Alabama football coaches. Yes, the majority of the 21,000 write-in votes for college football coaches. Now, did they know this at the time? <laughs> no. Well, there was a super a Republican super PAC that was really getting people not to vote for Roy Moore and actually put out a public campaign, a media campaign that said vote for the Auburn or University of Alabama football coach instead because we don't want to vote for a Democrat, but we can't vote for this guy either. Yeah, so there was wow, a politi- there really? was a campaign from a Republican super PAC. Uh, at least I think it was a Republican. It was a super PAC nonetheless. But yeah, no, exactly. So you've got two groups of people that really had some sense, if you can say right in right for football coaches, you know, uh, well, success. I, but that, that was, you know, I'll leave it at that. But, you know, I, I got to say this is an interesting fact that, you, you keep bringing up, and I think this just blows me away, that ethics are these external influences that affect our laws. But let's talk about morality and values here. Well, morals refer to an individual's own principles regarding what's right and wrong. So ethics are external, morals or morality is internal. And these also change over time. They can change geographically, can change socioeconomically, and they certainly can change with that education. You know, we see kids grow up with one set of morals, then they go off to college, move to another geographical area in the country, and now they no longer agree with anything that their parents believe. That's true. Right? So it's all based on new inputs and and their choices. You know, and we see people go on mission trips, Mm -hmm. right? And then their whole life changes. They see people in poverty differently. People experiencing diversity for the first time can change their perceptions of a whole geographical group, right? Let's, for example... Someone that knows nothing about the Islamic faith can start working next to a woman that wears a burqa. 
They get to know her, they like her, and then their moral judgment about her and her religion can change. And those are the good things, right? right? Changes that we can make to the positive. But we also see that when people come upon hard times, it can harden them. People yes. get angry at their bad luck, and then that range between right and wrong can get much more expansive because of that negative influence as well. So if we're talking that ethics are mandated by the external factors and morals are kind of in your internal beliefs, you know, what about core values? What is the difference between values and morals? I mean, they got to be similar, right? They are very similar. But the values are the ideals, those fundamental beliefs deep inside you that shape your moral belief of what is right and wrong, right? Your morality is kind of the implementation of what is right and wrong. Values are the core principles that help in making that distinction, right, between what, what that is. You know, your core values can change as ethics and morals do, but it's very unlikely that they're going to shift very far as opposed to both ethics and morality can, can drastically change. Right, yeah. They're deep within you, and they're really at your core. And the key is to become more in touch with them, not to change them. Because, again, they're the ideals. They're the big T truths, the beliefs that get implemented as good or bad through moral decision-making. So our choices, right? Yeah, your, yes, your choices, your decisions, they can both be influenced by external ethics or change in those moral actions. So... With your core values, like you said, they don't change that much. Is it because we just don't define them? Or is it just really just that piece that it's either right or it's wrong or it's this or it's that? It's just, it's very broad. Well, the right or the wrong is a perception, right? And the perception can change over time. What you think is right today and what you thought was right five years ago can be two completely different things. But they're still based on a core value that that itself didn't change. So the core value itself didn't change. So if you, let's say you grew up in a very prejudiced home and to some degree you were prejudiced, but you were trying to shake from that. Mm -hmm. Then you go, like you say, you moved and it tweaked. So your core values still stayed the same. You didn't really believe in that. Now your ethics and your morals are just shifted to be more in line with it. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, let, let's give, let's go with, with an extreme example okay. so that, that people can, can see for the extreme example. Your core value, you believe in justice, right? That things should be just, that things should be right. Everything should be equal. You know, it should be fair. Life should be fair. Most right. of us believe that. Okay. We know that yeah. doesn't happen, right. but we, we strive for that. And, and most people, I believe, think that as a core value, right? That they believe that life should be fair and that they should be just. If you go out and you think an injustice is that let's just go with the people that uh, abuse the welfare system and um, you know white supremacist groups that think that black people get all of the advantages and, mm-hmm. and whatever those things are that they believe. So you, you go out and you think it's not fair and you join a white supremacist group and you do terrible things, but you're doing them because that is still because you believe in justice and this is, this is right for you. Oh. Right? This I makes sense for you. Okay. And so it's an injustice against all these other things. So, so, is it, so it's just defined as being just. Right. That's and your that core can, value. Oh, but I But what now. the right and the wrong can change. So then you get implemented with other things. You, you, you know, we see people shift, right? That were white supremacists, that were leaders, KKK leaders, mm-hmm. that then are like, oh my goodness, what, why was I thinking that? And then they become proponents for the cause that they were fighting against. Right. You see right. that happen all the time. Your core value is the same. You're just fighting a different side now. What you thought was right, now you thought was wrong, or, and vice versa, because your morality or that piece of it, what you thought was right and wrong, 
has, has now shifted, shifted, but the core value is still the same. You're still fighting for that same underlying cause. So the just, just is still there. You just, you just, it, it could flip flop. Sir, well, it yeah. does flip flop. Oh, it does. It does yeah. flip flop. If okay, you know, totally the thing when we're now. fifty, the things that we did when we were twenty and believed we thought were good <laughs> ideas at twenty, did those things change? No, our perceptions of those things changed. What That's was right true. for us at 20? What was right for us at 50? Parents, right? I mean, how many times you see parents, they raise their children this way, and then they become grandparents, and all that goes out the window. Oh. My mom would have never done that with me. Right. You know, Grandma, why do you do that? Well, because they've got life experience. Right. And things change, <laughs> right? So now you can have all the candy you want as a grandkid, but, you you know, your parents couldn't have anything. Right. Right? I mean, but those things change. So, so that's I what we're saying, know. that ethics okay. and morals change over time based on social norms, based on interaction, based on knowledge, based on education, based on experience, life experience, experiences with other people, good times, bad times. And those things change, but your core values are not going to shift very much. Because they are just like that. They're, you, you believe in justice or you believe in fairness. And, the, right. and, that's, and that's just what, one. And some people, okay. not everybody may hold that, but I think most people do hold that. I think most people hold those, those big T truths, those core values. Uh, it's just how they show up in the world with that is based on perception of what they think is right and wrong based on the morality, not based on necessarily their okay. core value. Okay, so that makes sense. So we send that out, okay, in the world. And these are, but that's, a, we send out our ethics and our morals, not our core values, right? Our core values is like, I'm, I want things to be just. I want them to be fair. But our ethics is what we send out in the world. Our morals are what we send out in the world. They're the representatives. Right, exactly. They're, yeah, exactly, because they're the definitions of right and wrong. Your core values is not going to necessarily have a right and a wrong. We talk about that all the time of it doesn't have an adjective, right? It doesn't right. have an adjective. Your core value isn't going to have an adjective. Okay. It just has, it just is. And how, it's your morals and the ethics of society that dictate the adjective. Got it. Okay. You know, as we talked about in many shows, you know, cognitive distance. I'm sure people are sick of hearing that term, but <laughs> basically that your actions, when they're not in alignment with those core values that you suffer, as the Buddhists call it, you know, according to my favorite Aristotle, you're unhappy. According to Christianity, you're out of alignment with God. So really, however you want to say it, it really is about being authentic and your actions being in alignment with what you believe and accepting that your choices of how you send those beliefs out into the world, ethically or morally, really impacts your ability to make a positive or a negative impact on the world and understanding that morals and ethics, that they change over time. Well, I know, we, like you said, we spend a lot of time on this, especially in our Life Defining Moment show, yeah. is getting to know your core values. And it's really important to be as authentic as you can and send your best self out in the world, really. Right, and I don't think we do a very good job in our society of getting people to think about those things and getting people to think about values, morals, and ethics as three different things that should be in alignment. Again, they're very similar, but they can also be drastically different. Uh, for example, if you dropped me in California, mm -hmm. I think I would fare very well, right? My morals would match up with the geographical ethics. If you dropped me into any city in Saudi Arabia, I would have real problems balancing the drastic difference between the ethics of an Islamic state and my moral values. Yeah. That's so a good really point. geographically, my, my stuff didn't change. The ethics and the laws of California or a city in Saudi Arabia didn't change. My perception and how I'm able to cope in that situation would change. 
Well, and I guess you would, that, that has to go along with the hot button issue right now, especially in Alabama. I mean, you're talking like the white Christian voters, they have got to be conflicted. <laughs> right. And not just in comparing ethics and morality, but in each of those, each of those standing alone, right? For example, again, the ethics are the external laws that govern what's right and wrong within the society. Um, but we do need those, right? We have right. to have order and justice and, and have laws for, so that we don't have chaos, well, let me ask you this. Are there any laws that you would that you would never break, even if you were morally you thought it was right? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's why I would. I, you know, sure. I think I would. I mean, um, I, you I, know, I don't I want ha- to think I'd do, but I, I think I would. You know, I hope to never be in a place, but I don't think I could ever help someone kill themselves, even though I internally believe that if someone has a terminal illness, that they have a right to not suffer. Uh, I just don't. I don't. I don't know that right. I could do that. But on the flip of that, you know, I drive 60 and a 55. So that line of moral and ethical is different. It's different for everyone. Right. And I guess you kind of say it's not, for me at least, I'm thinking because if you're morally right, you would drive 55 because that's the law. You would not kill help somebody kill themselves because they have a terminal illness. One is the same as the other. But I think I would have levels to it because, you know, I right. drive... Not, not I think a, reality is you have levels. Yeah, you'd have to, right? I think right? reality is we have levels. Because to me, me driving 60 and a 55, more like 70 sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it, to me, it's a victimless crime, victimless crime. Because who am I hurting? I'm just, I'm using more gas on my, my Yeah, but the truth is, if you're driving 75 and a 55 and you somebody cuts you off and you kill them, and you, you're, you're going to be more easily convicted of vehicular manslaughter then you're going to be, it's going to be much harder to convict you of helping someone kill themselves with a terminal illness. Well, thanks for putting it like that, Chris. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> now I, I feel bad. Unfortunately, I, I know people who, uh, who yes, get a lot of yeah, time no, spending uh, uh, for, for things like that. So, Well, you know, and I think this Alabama election really made it obvious to me. You know, I just think. Well, I think it really was a hot button issue for most a lot of, us, of people. At least for us, for sure. But. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're referring to the Roy Moore election, right? That it really illuminated the issue for of the vast space between ethics and morality. You know, Alabama newspapers, businesses, see fellow Republican politicians. Mm-hmm. We talked about the uh, the super PAC that actually said vote for football coaches. You know, they were all saying it was unethical to vote for Roy Moore for a U.S. Senate seat. Now there were pockets, including our president. Uh, that differed, but most believed it not ethically right to vote for him. But yet he got over 360,000 votes. And why? <laughs> I mean, why? Well, one reason is that white women uh, Christians' internal moral belief was more important than the ethical external beliefs, right, of the newspapers, and the Rep- even the Republican Party, at least in Alabama. Mm. You know, nothing was more important than not voting for someone that supported abortion. That was the number one issue. Nothing really? else mattered. Nothing else mattered. And we see this in a lot of elections, right? I mean, I, I don't care. You can burn down America as long as you're not going to take my gun away. Hot button issues for some people that it does not matter anything else other than that one issue. And I think that the attitudes towards women, you know, are still a huge issue in our society. Yeah. All of those things that we talked about in the feminine show with Dr. Wagner, I think really showed their ugly head in this. And it have to be. I mean, yeah. especially when you're thinking of it in the terms of this is one aspect of a whole. Right. But that one aspect was all that you cared about. That's right. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think 
things are getting worse. I mean... You know, I don't see morality changing very much for thousands of years. I, I know that I'm probably, again, uh, I'm on the minority on that belief. <laughs> but, you know, we went through the Viking laws from a thousand years ago in our Viking Laws show. And all of those are still alive and well that we strive for today. We talked in all of our holiday shows about the pagan traditions, including giving to the poor, being honest, um, embracing what you believe. You know, what changed is the opportunity and the visualization, I believe. We have everything on our phone today, right? We can lie, <laughs> cheat, and steal at our fingertips, but we can also be kind, loving, and compassionate on those same fingertips. Well, and I guess that's what blows me away. You know, we're bombarded with so much information. I mean, like never before. That's yeah, the thing that is on our phones, our TVs, billboards anywhere. I mean, the radio is constantly giving us information you know, on all kinds of different issues. Or, or, and most of them are bad. And we don't even know which one's basically which one's true. Rude. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, I, th I think my question, is, you know, is why do we want to believe the bad stuff? You know, why is there not a channel out there 30 minutes a day of just good stuff that happened today, right? We're capitalists. If people wanted to see that, there would be a station that actually got support and actually had it on TV. But we don't want to see that. I think one of the reasons is our brain sees the negative before it sees the positive. Mm. It's called negative impact. It's a, it's a psychological thing. But it's true that the brain actually notices the negative before it notices the positive. So, and it identifies with the negative. And it's that whole fight or flight um, I was so say, the brain trying it, to protect itself. Okay, because it's the brain trying, trying to, to protect us. Right. So it, it sees those fears, those bad things before, and it, it it attaches them to the negative, and it kind of lets the positive roll off. We've talked about that in shows too, mm -hmm. right? You know, we, we beat ourselves up for something we did bad, and then we minimize those things that we do good. Same thing. Same thing, yeah. And and, and like you said, when we're talking about that we're capitalists, and if <laughs> if we wanted it, somebody would have a television show around that's it. Right. You know? Somebody make money but, on it. So that, that, I mean, that just goes back to, you know, everything revolves so much around money. Money has become about the possessions and the positions, not about helping people. You know, because at some point you saturate your life with stuff and money, right? I think we said mm -hmm. over $75,000 a year, money becomes less important. Yeah. But when you, over $75,000 a year, your value and your position increases. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm all for people working hard and having what they want, right? Kind of the best part of the American dream. But working hard helps us to be more productive. But when we cross that line into greed, then we got a problem. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I th and this is what I find so interesting is because we do. We compare ourselves with our neighbors, you know, when they get that new car. You see that boat sitting out there and like... Man, what? And you get this this sense of in, inferiority. I mean, you just you feel bad, and right. and then we just don't take the time to look at our successes. Right. Well, as opposed to you know comparing ourselves to the homeless guy that doesn't have food and shelter, we compare ourselves to our neighbor that just got the new Cadillac Escalade. Right. Because mm -hmm. you can do either. Those are both choices that you could make. One leads to despair and jealousy and. Well, other leads to gratitude. Well, and I find that even interesting because even if we do compare ourselves to the homeless guys, it's never in a gratitude situation. It's so, well, I'm not as bad as he is. 
Right. We minimize yeah, it. Yeah, we Again, minimize, we minimize it. it. Yeah, I just, I, we minim- why, and I'm not sure why we do that. But, I don't know either. But we do. I think we as a society, we do well, that. Like you said, I mean, we're always looking at the bad. We're always looking at the negative. You know, we, Our brain lets the negative stick, and yep. then we minimize and... and rationalize whatever it is that's positive yeah none of the good things you know we just focus on the bad stuff and the bad people out there just the world contains a magnitude of suffering and it always has you know we, we could just see it more today and i would have thought that that would be a good thing right? right that now we can see where we can help we can see where there's more need but what seems to be happening is quite the opposite people are becoming desensitized to the pain of other people i don't understand it but i, I think that we as society have become so desensitized to the pain of other people. We focus on our wants and not on other people's needs. Okay, so let me ask you this. because Do you think it's an, an overload of information? Do you think it's because we're bombarded with so much information that now it's self-preservation that now we have to focus on ourselves? Because you know, I, can't, I can't do anything about helping an animal in Washington State. But yet they parade that animal on TV. Or I can't do anything about a little girl in wherever that hasn't eaten in five days. And it, before, where I don't think that was necessarily there a long time ago. I mean, well, could it be? Oh, I, well, I, well, I think that there's a, a great argument that you can, in fact, do something about the animal in Washington. And you can do oh, something sure, about yeah. that. But, yeah, but I think that that's definitely... I think it is, does have to do with information overload. Again, where we where we focus our attention and what sticks. And I think the negative sticks more than the positive. And then what you focus on increases the whole law of attraction. And I, I think we get ourselves in a mess. Well, and can it start out with something small, like, I don't know, helping, helping homeless kids here? I mean, you certainly... Well, sure it could. I mean, I think that's, you know, I, I think that, that it should, right? I mean, people say, well, I, I just don't know what I can do. Well, th- then you're not looking. Right. You know, there. If you're in Indianapolis, there are several organizations that you can help homeless kids. You can help troubled kids with their homework one night a week. Mm-hmm. Right. You can. You can. You can walk into a nursing home and help play bingo. You can go talk to someone that's sitting in hospice that doesn't have any family. You can do right. any of those things. Those are things that make a difference. And can be aligned with your core values. I mean, you know, but see, I think that this is another problem that most people have is when you talk about homeless or things of that nature, people then believe that they're so right that, you know, they just need to get a job or they just need to do this because it, like you said, their core values is this has to be fair. So if I'm going to work, you have to go to work. But what we really don't see is maybe there's a mental illness or something to that effect. So why do we spend so much time trying to be right than doing the right thing? Well, I think that's a good question. I mean, it's just like the Christmas Carol. It's a heartwarming tale on, you know, how rich people must be supernaturally terrorized into sharing. Okay, that's funny. But (laughs) but it's true. It is true. You know, not all of us, right? Right, right. But yeah, but, but many... They do right out of fear, I think, part of some people, rather than compassion or gratitude. You know, being intellectually challenged can be very uncomfortable. And I think that's really the point. Growth can be painful. Growth is painful, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. And I think it should be. Because I think that if you have a little pain, figuratively and literally, you develop problem-solving skills. Bottom line. And I think that if you can develop problem-solving skills, I really do truly believe this, I think it can shift your morality and ethics. Oh, I definitely think. I think that's one of the ways that you can 
um, shift in those things and perceiving things differently. Mm-hmm. But the questions of morality and ethics, because they don't go away just because we don't want to talk about them, right? I mean, that's right. one thing. You know, we see them through our actions. Uh, one way is how we spend our money, right? It shows our values. You know, do you tie? Do you give? Or just pay bills for those possessions that you've required that are going to be meaningless tomorrow and you're going to want something new uh, the day after tomorrow and you, you could have saved the life of a kid starving. Exactly. With the same money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it is. And and I think that that's what we need to start looking into is if you wanted to shift your morality, your, you know, your focus and your ethics, you know, I guess it's where you put your time, talent, and treasures. You know, it's where your energy goes, really. And But like the law of attraction, you know, whatever you put in, boomerangs back. <laughs> you know, it was interesting. It made me think of a, there was a philosopher from Princeton. Um, I watched his YouTube video and he was talking about that he, he's a public speaker all throughout the world. He, he's a proponent for childhood poverty throughout the world. You know, he's going to tell them a story. And he says, okay, um, there's a little girl drowning in a small pond, right? A pond that you've walked by for years. You know, you know it's shallow uh, because you've seen other children playing in it throughout the years. You look around, you don't see anybody else to help, and she's drowning. What would you do? And he says that virtually everyone instantly says... Well, of course, I'd go into the water and save her. And he says, well, let me add this piece to it. You have a new pair of very expensive shoes that are going to be ruined if you walk into the water. Would you still go in and save the little girl? And he said, overwhelmingly. <laughs> Virtually everyone says, well, of course. That's, you know, of course we would do that. And he says, well, if you have such strong feelings that saving that little girl is more important because she's right here in this pond that you know, and you can save her, and ruining your new expensive shoes is a complete non-issue, then what responsibility do you have to feed the children with that same shoe money that would be dead without a meal? Even if they're around the world and not right here in this pond, do you have a responsibility to, to do something? You know, should because we can't see it matter, you know, ethically or morally, right? The right thing to do when we have the ability to save, save a hundred children with shoe money and for that, you know, for that same amount of money. So but it's, it's because really we don't see it. I mean, that's my question is, is it because we don't, I, I, and I don't mean it like this. And I, you know, if anybody's out there thinking, well, I saved a kid from in a pond, but is it because we don't get the recognition for saving the kid in the pond? Like, you know, people can watch us save that kid in the pond. They, we can drag them out. People are clapping at us and, and you, but when we're well, talk- I think even if people, I think most people, even if there was nobody to do that, would go jump in, and in there, jump in and save the girl in the pond. Most people. Well, yeah. But I think it's tangible. Yeah, you can I actually feel it. That, that good point. And, and good at point. that point, you can't stick your head in the sand while you watch a little girl drown. Right. You right. can change the TV channel and not see the little girl starving. Right. You you can change the yeah. TV channel and not see somebody torture a dog. Yes. Right. I, exactly. I, so now we, that so we is can, a good point. So okay. we can put our, we can stick our head in the sand, and since we don't see it, we don't have to do anything about it. Yeah, and but I, when presented with this story, I think I hope people will think about that. I I guess I am. I mean, I gotta tell you. So, but I also think that people think it's they can't make a difference. Well, and I think that that's interesting because I do really think that people don't think that ten or twenty dollars can really make a difference at all. Right. You know, I do. I think people think that. <laughs> they're not able to watch it make a difference, I guess, is the best way I'd... Right. You know, I mean, most people feel better 
about life when they're helping other people. There's yes. tons of research out there on that. Yeah. And, and most of us do not want to leave this planet without feeling like we mattered. That's that true. We left something, right? A legacy, so, a leg- something. something. Somebody remembers us. Right, yeah. something. And, and, but there's tons of research out there that, that people feel better when they're helping other people. But then why don't more people help other people? Well, and I do. I really think that that's one of the ways we get in such a mess, you know, financially, morally, you know, individually, culturally. I think that that, that is one of the key focuses that people get themselves in these mess, yep, messes they sure do. And I think one big thing is what you said earlier, right? People want to feel right more than they want to do what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, doing in, involves investing something. Right, investing yourself, investing your money, investing your time, you know, and that's hard for some people, especially if that individual doesn't feel a value or, or worthy of that investment, or on the flip side, if they think that they're better than the person that they're trying to help. That's true. Um, I think you can have both extremes. <clears throat> oh, and especially when you don't feel like that, that that's a cause that you even want to be a part of, you know, I think that that's real hard too, you know, but I guess... We need to get to know ourselves a little bit better and what we're willing to invest in, right? Right. You know, what's really right for us? What's really important to us? Well, and where's the cost line, right? How much money? How much of yourself are you willing to invest to be a difference, right? And as you said, what causes really matter to you and what don't? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's different for everyone. You know, you're not interested in going overseas and building houses in 120 degree heat. No, I'm, yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of <laughs> suck. But you're not interested in doing that. But you have a commitment to helping feed kids and giving money to the Humane Society. So it really is different. You would far more help those people around here. And I feel that I have a bigger investment in actually going and tangibly building or doing, you know, holding that kid on the street or whatever, you know. But that's just the difference in us. I'm more comfortable doing that. But it's still a part of giving. You know, oh, it's no all of what, that. Yeah. And it's about our strengths, you know, and everybody's strengths are different. Where you put your attention, where you put your money, where you put your time, your talent are going to be different for different people. And right. you can't put a judgment on that, that mine values more than yours, because Good it point. doesn't. Good it point. doesn't. If you're helping other people, if you're being loving and kind to other people, there are no levels of, well, mine matters more than yours. Right. No, if it you, doesn't. Yeah, if you're the person giving $10, but somebody else is giving $100, you are it, it doesn't matter. You're still giving. You're That's still it. being the person that gives. You, you know? cannot be in competition on that. Right, point. and finding that balance uh, you know, between right. more obligations to help others and... You know, just not a commitment to do any harm. <laughs> right. Well, that's a good point because some people think that that's the only commitment that they have to make. Well, I'm just not going to harm anybody. I'm not going to help anybody. Yeah. But I'm that's... just not, I'm not going to harm anybody. Well, I'm going to say, I don't think that's good enough. That's yeah. certainly not good enough for me. You know, I, the, the no harm should be just a given of human right. nature. Right. We have to get all mom about it. That's your best. Your best isn't good enough. So <laughs> oh, That's funny. I can see your mom saying that. Yeah. You know, because we are human animals. I mean, whether we like to think of it that way or not. Mm -hmm. And that leads to selfishness. The animal kingdom is about staying alive. Our brains are wired for us to stay alive. Our brains are not wired for us to be happy. Our culture is about having more stuff and and never having or being enough. We talk about that all the time. And I, I can't believe that anybody doesn't agree with me on that, that, right? It is about... Never being enough. Turn on the TV. Turn on every commercial. Right. It's about what you have is not good enough. You need this. Or right. you need to eat here. Or you need to make this choice. You need to buy this thing. 
or get this service or whatever it is. If you have these pair of shoes, you will be somebody. That's right. If you do this, you can dunk like Michael Jordan. Doesn't matter if you're only four foot tall, but if you buy these $200 tennis shoes, but there needs to be a balance between being competitive in that way and being cooperative because some people, again, we're different as humans, right? Some people are better in, in those extremes. I, I perform very well in that competitive extreme. Other people don't. Other people are very uncomfortable. They don't want to be in competitive situations. They don't want comfort. Yeah, they don't want confrontations. So you need to find a good fit, Mm -hmm. right? If you don't like confrontations, if you you don't like to be in that competitive state and and that's not your strength, then, then you don't need to go and be an advocate for something. You're going to be uncomfortable. Right. But you certainly can go tutor homeless kids that really need someone to be compassionate and help them to have some type of uh, promise of a future. So it's finding a good fit. It's not about doing everything. It's about finding the right fit for what you're comfortable with. Absolutely. And you know, this is really important to me because one of the things that I really do try to strive to tell people, find out what you're good at, you know, and be the best at it that you can be because that is, that's your God-given talent. And this is the most important thing I cannot stress this enough is helping others along the way that's right you know if you because you didn't make it alone so your job is to pass that along you know help people find their passion help them not be afraid of it that's right and and there's a million different ways to do that yeah absolutely millions of different ways you know my favorite philosopher yoda he (laughs) said names must your fear be before you banish it, you can. And that's true, right? You have to name it. Yeah. You have to name it. And you have to know that if you're trying to make your weaknesses your strengths, you are never going to be more than mediocre. And God did not create us to be mediocre. Maximize your strengths and try to minimize your weaknesses and excel at the things you're good at. Yeah. If, If you love to play the drums... Play the drums. Okay, yeah. you've got a you've got a corporate job in finance that you don't really care for, but you make a lot of money and you gave up your dream of being a drummer. That's okay. Go go down to the homeless kids. Teach them how to play yeah. the drums. You may you may have the next Phil Collins. That yeah. that comes you that might you, pass that, you, that, that, that you influence. Absolutely. It's not about you being the best at it. It's about your love of it, and you know teach somebody, share it. Playing a band on Friday night. Whatever the case Whatever may be. Is. But this is the other thing that I think needs to really be driven home, too. If your core values, like we talked about, is about being fair, then you need to find out what's really important to you. And if your fairness is not about helping someone else, then you're fighting for the wrong thing, period. That's right. I agree. Most people, I don't think, are in touch with what their core values are. And they're way over in touch with what their morality of what they think right and wrong is. And they're more than happy to share that with you. That's right. You know, sometimes shove that down your throat. (laughs) But, right, Mm -hmm. we say it all the time. You cannot let somebody else dictate how you show up in the world. You just can't do that. Now, if you're 10, you don't have a lot of choices there. (laughs) If you're 40 and you're still doing it because your parents told you that that's what you should be doing, yeah, you need to rethink that. Especially if you're an unhappy person that life just isn't going very well for you. You need to take a look at that. I agree. I think so, too. You know, I don't know how many times we've said this, right? It really is about what are you saying yes to. Yeah. Right? Because that's a core value thing. Those are choices that move you in your life in one direction or another. Uh, Those can be what we perceive as positive or negative. But the bottom line is, what are you saying yes to? 
Well, and I got to tell you, I really hope people get something out of this. I really hope that they start looking at this and think about more of the helping side than the hurting side. You know, and I think our world will be a better place for it. And I'm, I'm kind of interested in hearing your final thought on this. Well, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, right? And I think it really is about self-awareness and knowing, again, what are you saying yes to? And what investment are you willing to make for what you believe? Because I think that's true too. If you have a huge investment in something, you're going to be far more um, eager to defend that Mm -hmm. if it's your core value than somebody else's. And accepting that it's likely different than your parents, your friends, or even your spouse. And knowing that the knowledge and education, either formally or informally, that we can gain only strengthens our acceptance of others. You know, in the Christmas show, we talked about that Tibetan monks and that they have a day-long debate, and that the winner of the debate is actually the loser. That by winning, they did not grow in their thinking nor expanded their view. So sticking to that, I want to be right more than I want to do the right thing, you are polarized in that state that you are not going to stay in. Whether you, you can resist change all you want to, that is a given for everybody. Life is going to change, and if you dig your heels into this whatever it is, you are going to be pretty unhappy. But knowing that by listening to other people and gaining knowledge and gaining some type of education, whether that be getting to know somebody who's different than you, you can really begin to expand your view. You know, we have said that we lead and we manage every aspect of our life. You know, sometimes you're the teacher, sometimes you're the student, sometimes you're the winner, sometimes you're the loser. And many times the difference is really hard to see. You know, I'm not sure who said this, but when there are no more leaders to follow, you must become the leader. And many times being the leader and doing the right thing is not the most popular. And many times the right thing might just leave you on the outside looking in. We've all been there, right? At least for a minute. Knowing who you are, what you stand for, and what you would be willing to fight for is hugely important to living a life on purpose. You know, we all get lost along the way because some points in our life that just doesn't make sense. And it seems so much harder to know what is the good and the bad. And the gap at certain times in our life can be huge to overcome. But surrounding yourself with those that you can trust is so important so that during those ethically and morally challenging times that we all go through, you can reach out for help and know that you're not alone. You know, we're not always going to make the right choices. We're not always going to be the winners. Remember, it's not about winning the battle. It's about staying in the fight. So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com or any of the podcast platforms like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living On Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast or look us up on Facebook and give us a like and let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.